Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross-Katz. And we have a returning player here at Drop Your Buffs this time. It's a very rare returning player. There's only a couple that have been graced with the opportunity to return to this podcast. (laughs) Uh, But nobody better than this four-time player who played in Survivor Cook Island, Survivor Micronesia, Heroes vs. Villains, and Winners at War, the winner of Survivor Micronesia, an all-around icon, legend, queen. Parvati Shallow is here to talk with us about Survivor and potentially more. Welcome, Parvati. Much (laughs) more. Thank you so much for having me back. I love talking to you guys. Listen, we just have to mention our number one episode of all time. And mind you, we have done recaps of 41, 42. We've done all of our bonus episodes. We've had a bunch of other alumni on. Our number one ranked episode ever is with you, Parvati. And so I expect that our listeners are going to be very excited to have you back and to have you uh, in the mud with us talking Survivor Season 43. Let's get muddy. Let's get muddy. Let's do it. But before we do, Parvati, I have to ask, we just did a two-hour recap of The White Lotus, episode six, season two. We are on season two of The White Lotus. Survivor alum created, directed, written, right? We're in great company. Starring. Are you watching The White Lotus? And what do you think of it? I am fascinated. I loved I loved season one, and now season two is like I didn't think it could get better than season one with like the cokehead manager going so crazy at the end, and like this season is so good. Jennifer Coolidge is bringing it every episode. I like want to be her daughter, best friend. Hey, we, hey, we can arrange this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can make that happen. <laughs> I love her. I just, I'm fascinated by the show and how the, the, they're weaving in the masculine feminine uh, dynamics and the polarities and they're putting pairings of people together that one represents the masculine, one represents the feminine and like all these psychological dynamics of the savior complex and the martyr and the victim complex. It's just like a psychological gold mine. I love mm-hmm. it. Now, one thing that Sean mentioned during our recap yesterday was some parallels between the White Lotus and Survivor. And obviously, as the three of us know, and most people listening know, Mike White, creator of the White Lotus, former player on Survivor Season 37, also a two-time Amazing Race player, who has a great love of reality competition. Do you, Parvati, see any ways in which these two shows are, any similarities between the shows? That's such a good question. I really haven't thought it's about Sean's it. It's Sean's question. I'm I'm taking it. It's a really good question. Gosh, you're putting me on the spot for it. I mean, of course, there's like the beautiful environment. So the shots are kind of similar when you have like the shots of the waves crashing and survivors doing a lot of that, those aesthetic shots. So just the way it's filmed, I can see similarities. And then when you see the like social dynamics, there's... There's always like in Survivor, you know, 
there's this element of synchronicity where the universe will just put you in the right place at the right time to witness something extraordinarily secretive happening. And then a person's mind or um, a contestant's mind will take that and twist it. So we just saw that with Harper witnessing her husband talking to the two prostitutes and like she just saw them through like the the quadruple lens and and then it's like what's she going to do with that information is she going to keep it to herself and is she going to share it with him how is she going to now reveal or hold this information as a source of power for herself and we see that on survivor all the time yeah absolutely it's interesting what else were you, you thinking well, I, I mean, you bring up such a good point. And in the 24 hours since our White Lotus recap, the very first long form interview with Mike White dropped and he was asked this very question. He asked the ways in which Survivor and The Amazing Race, those experiences, if at all, find their way onto the White Lotus. And what he said is, you know this very well, specifically with Micronesia, all those shots of the Black Widow spider. And Mike mentioned the fact that all those cutaways of the heads and also just those those shots, the vista shots and, and the shots of the ocean and everything, he takes that literally from Propes and the survivor producers and sort of how they do those sort of establishing shots and and various shots that lead you to information that's going to later be relevant. So I think that there are very obvious parallels like that one. And then, as you say, these sort of like the, the strategizing that characters like Harper are perhaps subconsciously um, experiencing or, or enacting. Right. And then it's like on Survivor, we greet the, the contestants are greeted. It's sort of like they arrive at the hotel and they're greeted and they greet each other. And it's, there's this superficial go. I know you have a good something to say. <laughs> no, sorry. I just have to ask you. No. So, so in this analogy you're making, is Probst more of a Murray? What's Murray Bartlett's character from season one? Yes. Um, is, is Probst more of the Murray Bartlett or the Sabrina Impacciatore who plays Valentina on season two? Oh, like which one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which gay oh person God, is Jeff? Is he, is he the <laughs> cokehead or the lesbian? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to say he's actually probably more like the first guy mm. from the first season because the fir- he's like way Armand, more friendly. Armand. Armand. Yeah, he's a, he's more of an Armand minus the coke addiction. I, I don't think Jeff has a problem with that. But like... How, how on he is all the time and how he's uh-huh. just like ready to go and taking in everyone's orders. And he's super friendly and he's always like anticipating contestants, you know, needs and what the, where they're going to go from there. It's he's that guy. Yeah. Valentina is much more begrudgingly servicing the, you know, the, the hotel patrons. Yeah. That might have been like mid season Survivor yeah. Jack. Like, <laughs> yeah. Mid, yeah. Mid- <laughs> He's not there anymore. Yeah, he was in a dark place. He was in his Valentina era. Now he's in his Armand era. (laughs) Yeah. And what will will come next? Um, Okay, and one last uh, non-Survivor-related question before we get into Survivor. The last time that you were on this podcast, we had uh, a super fan of yours, Sarah Michelle Gellar, call in and ask a question to you. And and we know that in the time since then, you have linked up, uh, the two of you, together. What can you tell us about this burgeoning friendship between the two of you? Oh, it was such a magical moment because when we talked on the podcast, I think it was just a few days later that we were DMing each other on Instagram and she said, when are we going for coffee? And I was like, ah! like my head exploded. And I was like, tomorrow, today, now? 
we met for coffee and she told me all about her daughter Charlotte and she's a dancer and I saw some videos and I'm like, oh, Charlotte's a big fan of mine from Survivor. So we're going to have to meet up. We haven't met up as a family yet, but that was on the agenda. You know, Sarah Michelle has been crushing it. She's on every Netflix series right now and new movie. So yeah, we got to, we got to get it. We got to get her while she's, uh, staying still for a second. Maybe I'll just lasso her and tie her down somewhere. But how incredible. I feel like um, in addition to this being a Survivor Recap Pod, this podcast is bringing legends together. I mean, like, I'm not, we're not going to take credit for that fully, but I feel like we instigated a pretty <laughs> iconic link up. Yeah. So now it's like this is season two. So mm-hmm. who's next? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Are you teasing Barbie, me? Don't get, don't get your hopes up. Well, well it's interesting. <laughs> It's interesting. No one comes to mind immediately. However, I do know that many of the White Lotus cast members do watch Survivor as homework for working with Mike. So I have to imagine quite a few of them are familiar with you. So I've got nothing up my sleeve today, um, but I'm hopeful that you will come back again and and, and we will we will initiate that once more. I, I'm 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 quite sure of it. Great. We've got some homework. Harvey, have you met Mike White? I I feel like I messed up. I think I went to a party that he threw ages ago. And it might have been like a survivor viewing party when he was on the show. And perhaps we met there. But I think that might have been it. That's the extent. And he's not on Instagram, is he? He's not like no, a findable not. guy. No, you can't find no. him. I asked because we interviewed somebody who was on his season, which I don't think you really watched his season, did you? Mm-hmm. I only say that because I remember when we talked about Winners at War and you were like, oh, I saw Nick and I was like, who's that? Oh, was that next season? Is That's that the next one? That- season. Yeah. Yeah. So I did not. <laughs> so we interviewed somebody from his season, Gabby, who's a really great player and really fun to watch. And we asked her about these infamous Mike White parties. And she talked about going to this party at Mike's house. And she said, oh, there was all these survivors there, but there was also Angelina Jolie and all of these other celebrities. So like, were you at that party? It's it's possible I was at that party. You, it's possible you were at a party with Angelina Jolie? I mean, so I have kind of a crazy origin story of coming to LA. When I first moved here from Georgia, I started working for an entertainment PR firm. And I went to Angelina, Angelina Jolie's hotel room at the Bel Air Hotel and gave her diamonds for her Sky Captain premiere. Do you remember that? movie that was so weird yeah, i remember that movie yeah okay so she's like tr- putting them to her ear and she's like which ones do you like better and i'm like uh i love you <laughs> she was like eating a steak i was like oh my god you're everything wow. so it wasn't if i did meet her at the mike white party it wouldn't have been the first time so maybe mm, it was less wow. wow i know it's kind of weird like weird stuff happens here yeah, I mean it's 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 a magical place. Now magical I have to place. say it's like odd to me to hear that you haven't watched Thirty Seven. I did not remember this from our last chat, and so I guess just I have to ask: Are you aware of the fact that for many fans of the show, Thirty Seven is considered like the season that made us aware that there's still some gas in the tank? Thirty Seven, I would say. Sean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but after Heroes versus Villains, oh Kagayan, I would say yeah. after Kagayan, the only, I would say 37 is regarded as the next like great season, and in my estimation, the last good season of the show. Oh wow! Are you no aware offense, of this? Winners at War. Jesus, no. sorry. Well, Winners at War was <laughs> yes. 
We don't really talk about winners at war. <laughs> but are you aware of David versus Goliath's status within the Survivor verse? No, I'm not. No, thanks for sharing that with me because now I guess I'm going to have to go watch it once we're done with White Lotus, obviously. Yeah, yeah. once we're done. But I, I really recommend it. I feel like knowing what I know about you, it has a lot of the touch points that we that sort of share this this view of Survivor, the things we look for in Survivor. And it has um, Angelina, I feel like, although I would not say she is a successor to yours in terms of like gameplay by any measure, but Angelina is up there in terms of ranks of like iconic female characters of Survivor. Um, she ranks up there with you. Okay. Yeah, okay. Great. I'm putting a pin in that and I'm going to watch it. And now I feel like maybe I have seen a few episodes of this because is this the one where there was that really nerdy guy? Yes. Who like had his pants pulled up to his nipples? (laughs) Okay. Okay. And what was his name? Christian. Yes. I remember him. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Anywho, putting a pin, we'll circle back. (laughs) Well, we're going to circle right back to that. And Angelina was in... White Lotus this season as well, right? Yes, yes she was. and we put a poll out on our Instagram asking which Survivor alumni people would like to see on season three of The White Lotus. And would you be surprised to know the majority of the votes are for you, Parvati, to appear as the Survivor cameo in season three? I would love that. I'll be like a. I have to say, all, all the all the comments are actually Parvati and Amanda because this season we had two, so we had Angelina and Kara, both from thirty seven, and so That's everyone's it. running with this, and they're going, "Well, Parvati and Amanda can vacation," and I'm like, "It wasn't even me that wrote. I didn't even. I wasn't one of the submissions." Um, it's like, but, well, didn't we talk about Into the Blue last time? Oh yeah, we, we did. <laughs> Well, this would be so cool because I think they could do a documentary on finding Amanda first and oh. then plugging her into White Lotus with me. I just need to find some investors and I'm paddleboarding yeah. scene. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know, they did that um that finding um who's the famous workout guru? Yes, Richard Richard Simmons. Richard Simmons. Richard Simmons, yes. There was that fabulous podcast, Finding Richard Simmons that is in need of a sequel series. So I feel like reframe it around Amanda. We start out with the Finding Amanda Kimmel podcast. We conclude that and that segues right into, dovetails immediately into the White Lotus season three with cameo appearances by Parvati and Amanda. I mean, I feel like we're putting it out there right now and I feel confident that we can make this happen. Yeah, someone's gonna sign up for this because this is a goldmine. Also, I saw that you put the Instagram photo of like Amanda was wearing the rooster hat in Micronesia and the the yeah. party guy, who knows what's his deal, the dark hole guy, mm-hmm. was wearing it in last <laughs> night's episode. So I don't know. I don't know if this is like a Mike White, maybe he's dropping a little breadcrumb for us, mm. letting us know that Amanda is already in the next season. Okay. I I really like where your head is at. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Amanda's hat or was that was that like Ozzy's hat? No, because Ozzy had the big wide-brimmed hat. Where did that hat come from? Do that was Amanda's that hat. hat. She got it approved by casting. I have no idea. Wow. Okay, yeah, wait. You're bringing it back. And while we're just while we're just mentioning Ozzy briefly, I have to ask you, you don't have to answer this. Have you seen Ozzy's oh, OnlyFans? I'm just curious. I have to ask. Like, have I created an account and subscribed? No. Oh, well, <laughs> perhaps. Or just has someone shown you Ozzy's OnlyFans? No, I haven't seen his OnlyFans, but I have heard 
of things that he's posting. And I I think maybe didn't he post some stuff on Instagram or Twitter that was kind of like promo mm-hmm. only fan stuff. Yeah. Um I just know he's he's going for it. He's going You've for seen it. it. Yeah. I've seen You've it. You've obviously seen. It. Yeah. yeah. And what are what's it. your take on that? Um are you a I'm very attracted I'm not a subscriber. I was give I was gifted a free subscription at the when it first started from from the man himself. Um and yeah, it's it's quite shocking, but I I will admit I'm very attracted to Ozzy. I always have been, and I also am just like such a fan of Ozzy as a human being, but it is shocking, but mind you, I don't know if you know, but Ozzy has a background pre-survivor in doing a Playboy TV series called Force Him. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. not incongruous to the Ozzy that I know, um, but it's all out there. It is all out oh. there and in there. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. And all up in there. <laughs> <laughs> all up in there. And from okay. Ozzy's <laughs> OnlyFans to Survivor 43. <laughs> oh my God. Uh- well, he's going to love this because this is free publicity for him. You know, totally. people are going to sign up. Yeah, he'll be, yeah. he'll be thrilled. Well, I think, you know what? I'm, I'm so, I'm proud of him because he is using his skill sets and his assets and he's found a way to make them marketable and valuable and make money from that and support his lifestyle. So, you know what? He's like a, he's like a 20th century. Are we in the 20th century? 21st? Yeah. 22nd 21st. century? <laughs> what century are we in? He's a, yeah. he's a 21st century mogul, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Mogul. I concur. <laughs> okay. Let's talk Survivor. Back because, on track. Yeah. Back on we track. are two episodes away from the finale of Survivor 43. It feels like the third season in a row that we're kind of doing the same thing, this new era that uh, Jeff is very proud of. I'm curious to get your take, Parvati. Uh, what is your take on, I guess, broadly, the new era of Survivor, this post-Winners at War era that we're in, and then maybe more specifically, uh, what you're feeling about uh, the most recent episodes of Survivor 43. Okay, I miss the older seasons that had a bit of a slower pace. Like the 39 days is is a significant, um, changing that to 26 days is a significant change. It's really, really significant. And I miss that uh, length of time because it, it allowed things to simmer a little bit, like different flavors to come out of people's personalities. The just in-between time is, that's the hardest time on Survivor is the in-between time. And that's when people break and snap and kind of go nuts. And that's when different kind of things can play out. People have enough time to think um, outside of the box when they have more days and like in between spaces, which like that's how it was with the Eric Micronesia thing. Like if it would have been jam packed, action packed, moving on, now we're going to tribal council and now we're doing this thing. Now we're running through the woods looking for a clue that's the same color as a tree trunk. With the thing with Eric never would have happened. We needed to have time mm. to do that. So I think what's occurred now in this new season is the producers are really producing. They're really taking the show and they are the ones who are pulling the strings and making Uh, the action move forward. And I miss some of that power being in the hands of the contestants or more of the power being in the hands of the contestants. I think it's just like it's leaning towards now it's a very produced reality show. So I do miss that. I just want to jump in on this 39 day thing because it's interesting how 
the show pitched this to us as it's a shorter amount of time and because there's no days in between or because you're going straight from a challenge to having just a couple of hours before tribal council that the players are going to have to play faster and harder and actually i feel like the way this is playing out is we're actually getting more predictable votes safer votes because you don't have the time for either new relationships to be forming in that day off or new bonds to be made or just time to think through every possible wild scenario like you're suggesting with the Eric thing. So do you feel like that is the case? Do you feel like with less time you play safer? Yeah, I think so because you just play default. Like you're going to do, you're out there on an island with no one, with no safety net and you're also dealing with the of course all the starvation and crazy stuff that's happening people get really hangry and whatever so they just would they want to move forward and keep themselves in as safe of a spot as possible and you know they're not they're not thinking like okay double idols okay like how am i gonna how am i gonna move beyond this like two more steps past this and when you start to when you that just takes time to think critically and in those amount of layers and also play with the present moment and it takes like space so for me I would go like on all my seasons they were all 39 days I would go swimming or I would go hiking up like the mountain or around a rock and collect like shellfish or something or collect like bananas or whatever and that would be time for me to ground myself and feel into well, what's right for me in this moment and who feels really good? So it's just I had to get those moments to reset my center and like come home to my own nervous system and my own presence. And then I could go back into the arena with the other contestants and then feel the relationships and like who's telling the truth, who's lying, who's – Who's going over there? Who's making up all these things? But if you don't have any space to take a walk, to go in the water, then you're just, you're so constricted. So of course you're just going to run in your lane and you're just going to go with whoever feels the safest and most comfortable. And maybe that's, you know, the person who's not really going to come up with some creative, really fun gameplay options. It's probably the person who like, you would be friends with at home or something like that. Mm. Can you think of any reason outside of budget that the show, because obviously we know with 41 and 42, it was, you know, COVID protocols that caused us to go from 39 to 26, but COVID is now a, COVID is not over. COVID is now something that is more manageable. I was thinking of the word. COVID is now more manageable. The show could return to 39 if it wanted to, it is chosen now to remain at 26. Do you think there's any reason outside of budget? No. Okay. Me I don't too. think so. Yeah, I think it's budget. I think it's probably this production schedule, and maybe, maybe the the team making the show has more time at home. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So. Looking at this last episode, we had the return of this very iconic challenge, The Last Gasp, where players have to survive the rising tide while trapped under a gate close to the surface of the water. You played this challenge famously in Micronesia and lasted 45 minutes, but dropped out second. What was your experience like with this challenge? I lasted 45 minutes. That's shocking. <laughs> like I was shocking out good like or shocking minutes. bad? Oh, okay. Shocking, like, wow, amazing. <laughs> okay, I really, good. Yeah, no. I watched it last. 
when I watched that challenge last week, I was like, oh my God, these people are lasting a really long time. Like two hours, wasn't that? Two hours at the end. I think in the end it was two hours and 45 minutes. (gasps) I was, I was blown away. I was like, no, I think I only lasted maybe like six minutes tops. (laughs) You tell me 45. Okay. That feels good. Um, it was, it was a scary challenge. And I mean, in my season, I knew Ozzy was going to win that challenge. So it was like, and he did it then. I think Jason won. No, Jason won. Yeah. was it Jason or Eric? Jason. I think yeah. it was Jason. Yeah. So I was just like, well, I'm not going to win this one anyway. This is like an Aussie challenge. So mentally, I was already over it. Plus, I also get really claustrophobic. And like not being able to see the water and where it was coming from was like, <laughs> it's kind of scary. Even though you can take yourself out of it at any moment, it's still like you're not like actually chained into a box. I, like, have to struggle free like a Houdini thing. But still, I was very impressed. I watched Carla, like, crush that. She's my favorite from this season. I think she's amazing. Mm. Love her. Now, I think one of the biggest controversies out of the last episode, and perhaps the biggest controversy this season, and take that to mean something about the season, perhaps, is the idea that Jeff called off this challenge, basically framing it as that the players defeated the challenge. Um... Now, one thing that Sean and I spoke about in our recap of the last episode was the question of why this could not have continued on as an endurance challenge, as would have probably been the case in seasons past. Recognizing the condensed game, 26 days, means they have to get to tribal council that night, so there might have been you know, some production things that had to be worked out quickly, but what do you make of that? This is survivor history being made, but is it a good history to be making? Um, it is, it's an interesting, uh, decision that they made. I think it gives Jeff and the production more flexibility in the future for like calling shots. And I think they like doing that. They love calling shots. They do. (laughs) So they've now set a precedent of like, oh, well now this is a thing that could happen. And I think they like evolving the game like that. So I, I'm not like I don't think it's bad or good, really. I think it's, it was interesting. It made for it made look for like a kind of an interesting vote because there's so many people were safe, which is really rare. Mm-hmm. Like usually only that many people are safe if there's a bunch of idols getting played. So this was a new way for a bunch of people to be safe. It was very unexpected. So it just like shifted the dynamics in the group when they went back to camp and went to tribal. But I don't think it was a very exciting tribal, though. Who got voted out? I forgot. Sammy? (laughs) Sammy. (laughs) (laughs) Evan didn't know either. It's funny you said that. I was like, "Hmm, who did get voted out? (laughs) But is there any part of you that gets frustrated because you've played in many an endurance challenge on all of your seasons, and that was a big staple of Survivor that now seems to be gone from the show. I love an endurance challenge. That is my wheelhouse. I love a nice six and a half hour pain fest. So it, as a contestant, I miss that. As a viewer, it's like, it's kind of like, the, I feel like the contestants are getting shortchanged a bit because mm. as it, it was... For me, one of the most empowering experiences 
of my life was standing there with my arm over my head for over six hours to be to win that challenge where we blindsided Ozzy. And it was like, in my mind, I knew I had to win that challenge, but my body, it was an excruciating experience for the majority of the six hours to do that. And then learning that I was capable of doing that was really empowering. So now seeing that they're going to shut down these endurance challenges, they're going to be like, oh, two hours max because production has to move on and get some stuff set up for tribal. It's a bummer, I think, for the contestants because they won't have that experience of overcoming to the depths that it's possible, you know, in Survivor. I think that's one of the draws for people who want to play Survivor is they really want to be pushed to their limits and then see how far past their limits they can go and really get a sense of their own capacity. And that, I mean, that's what I got from playing the game the many times that I did, even this past time that I've really blew it. But, you know, I still like ran that coconut marathon 10 months after having a baby. And I was like, wow, like, how did I even do that? Survivor gives you the chance to learn that about yourself, your strength, your resilience. And, you know, we don't see it anymore because the challenges don't last long enough. And there's no other game shows that are doing that. Mm -hmm. No. Right? I guess the the challenge we 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 watched the challenge this past summer, which had some Survivor players on it. Actually, had two Survivor players. I watched the Tyson it. Tyson challenge. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, I guess they're not endurance, but they do put them through the ringer. They do. They're just more like adrenaline fueled. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would think about this one endurance challenge that always I associate with you, though you never actually won it, which was the hanging onto a pole, right? The the really tall pole. But in Heroes versus Villains, when it came down to you and Danielle up there and you struck this deal with Danielle, and I thought that was such a great moment. And it's like, if we're going to start handing out double wins, like you don't get these moments. It would have been so interesting to be able to see Carla try to strike a deal with Owen if, uh, you know, the tide is low and they're just hanging there to be like, okay, what can we do here? Can we try to work together? Like, let's let's end this for our sake. Um, so like, what do you remember about that challenge of hanging on the pole up there with Danielle and, and this idea of sort of like using these endurance challenges to strike deals in the game? That's such a good point. That happened a lot, striking deals in the endurance challenges. Even with Jason in the Micronesia challenge that I was just talking about, Mm -hmm. the whole crew was like, Jason, we got you. Like, step down. We'll we'll be your friend. We'll share our food with you. And, um, And that's really, I think, what pushed him over the edge to step down and why I was able to win that one at the time. So the same thing also happened. Yeah, when I was with Danielle, because I was like, it's just it's me and her. I know we're besties. We're not going to go against each other. This isn't something I have to win. Of course, for my own ego and pride, I wanted to win it. And so I was like, you want me to win? Like, who asks that? Like, of course, she's going to say no. Like, why would I say that? So I'm like, oh, I said that wrong, for sure. She's like, no, you have the idol. So I was like, okay, yeah, shoot, you got me there. Like, I kind of shot myself in the foot. So yeah, I just shimmy down knowing that she's safe, I'm safe, and whoever I pick to give those idols to are safe. So it was like a, it was, I was fine stepping down from that one. But yeah, if they're going to give those, if they're going to give out um, multiple immunities just to stop a challenge from going too long, then you won't have those 
really fun moments of like, okay, how are we going to negotiate and barter this? And I think that's another skill set that someone who's going on Survivor or someone who's thinking about going on Survivor, you want to get really good at negotiating. You really want to get so good at that. Um, it wasn't like my strongest suit. So I always had other people supporting me there. But um, if you are good at that, then yeah, you can in these challenges, even just, I don't know, even if they are shorter now, if you're good at negotiating, you could probably get some people to step down or drop a ball, right? Or just kind of get in their heads a little bit. Mm. Like, you know, that challenge where they're the balls, there's like three balls going at the same time. And they're like, like if someone just- yes. If, if you could get into someone else's head and stay focused at the same time, I mean, you could just slay in all of these challenges. Endurance or no. I love that. I love that in theory. I, I personally, I don't feel like that could be done in the modern era because there's a lack of, like, I want what you're saying. I just, I'm worried that like, or not worried. I'm not worried. I'm good. Um, but like, I, I'm not sure that there is just that level of gameplay going on at present. It feels very... And this goes back to what you were saying earlier about the idea of um, the formulaic nature of the votes now because you don't have that time to really go against the expected vote. Like we've not, we have yet to see anything. And like also these, no one really seems, everyone seems like they're in line with their people. And even when you do have quote unquote backstabbing, the relationships are never developed in such a way where it feels like it has the stakes that earlier seasons did when someone turned on their ally. Like mm, Carla and James, yeah. it was like that relationship wasn't cemented enough to make me feel like I was shocked to see Carla go again, you know, turn on James. That wasn't shocking in the way that I think part of the reason why it was so shocking going back to Micronesia, when you guys turned on Ozzy was because we had so much, indicating that you all just jived as people as well as alliance members. Right. Yeah. And do, I mean, do you think that that is because of the new fast paced nature of the game? Or do you think it's because this is how the game has evolved and everyone now decides that they can't go to the end with like a solid alliance that they have to play this new school version of the game where it's like voting blocks and, you know, cut people before they cut you and go to the end with people you know you can beat. I think it it's could like be a, a combination of that. Yeah. I also feel like, to be honest, I feel like we are having some issues with casting. Um, and especially Sean and I are currently watching Survivor Australia season one. Um and I am like literally watching a cast of all stars. I am in awe of this cast and my investment in them. And, and I, I use that to say, I'm not feeling that same way about these modern things. And this is why a lot of people do not like me in particular on this here podcast because of my negativity, which fine, <laughs> drag me. But um, I do feel like there is an issue around casting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think there's now there now we've touched on a few issues. <laughs> and I think I just it seems to me like it's it's just trying to do too much in too short of an amount of time. Because they mm -hmm. want to get us invested as viewers in these people's personal histories and care about this person, the contestants as as individuals. And that is sort of 
taking precedent over caring about the relationships that the contestants、mm. are creating, or why one contestant really syncs up with another contestant, and then like how that informs their gameplay. Because you know, it's like the relationships really inform gameplay, but the relationships are usually based on a person's life history, the connections that they have. Like I remember Michelle and I were talking on on a rock in season forty. Like we'd never really met before, but we were talking about both of our younger brothers had like similar challenges, and we're like our experiences of that really made me feel super close to her. And they didn't really show any of that、um, in season forty, but I think people would have been interested in it because otherwise, it just looks like she's she screwed me, she got me, she's you know whatever. And then I just gave her all my coins because like I got duped. But it really wasn't. It was there was so much more nuance to it, and like the relationship had developed to a pretty deep place for us in a really short amount of time. But we had longer time. We had thirty nine days, so it was a different game as well. There. Yeah, that's so interesting. Can we move back to Micronesia just for a second? Because there's something I wanted to ask you about the last time you were on. We didn't get a chance to. This is one of the big, another big mystery about things that happened in Micronesia. There's so much lore about this season. I love it. Okay, like you're not going to be incriminating anybody. Nobody needs to hear this, but. I've always heard a rumor that Ozzy, James, Alexis were raiding the production tents at night, stealing food, and that in fact, the injury that James sustained, which took him out of the game, happened when he was running away after getting caught raiding the production tent. What do you know? And when did you know it? It's actually <laughs> Alexis's injury. She hurt her knee. Do you remember that? I know that she hurt her knee. Yeah. Yeah, and then we voted her out because it was like, oh well, she's an injured little duckling. She's gonna get pulled or whatever. So we just like, you know, we cut her then. But、um, James, James hurt his finger, and he had like an infection on his finger. So、yeah. that wasn't that was not connected to the food raids. Okay. However, I will say I probably had like some granola bars and like a peanut butter sandwich. I'll just say that throughout the duration. <laughs> so the food raids are real. You're confirming here. <laughs> I am confirming, yeah. And it was a it was like a big problem because I think James James Nazi started it, like. In the very beginning of the game, and it was really funny because Amanda was like, "I don't know why I'm not losing any weight. <laughs> like, you're eating like peanut butter sandwiches all day. <laughs> How are you saying that?" <laughs> We got to the end of the game, and she'd like gained two pounds, and she's like, "How's that possible?" <laughs> Wait, no, like this is so funny because. Really, nobody knows this. I thought everybody knew this. <laughs> like, there's always been rumor, but I, I have not like gone to the source with anybody on this. <laughs> It was pretty great. I am gagged right now. It was like we were very naughty, but you、wow. can see like、okay. people still getting emaciated. So it wasn't like we were eating like kings, but it was like a little sneaky trick. Yeah. 
just a man it makes for a great story um and very memorable um okay so jumping back to 43 i swear this is a survivor 43 uh centric episode we will talk about it we promise um you know, as you know, this is an era of many advantages um, in the show. And, and interestingly enough, you your three seasons are pretty advantageless, save for uh, Winners at War, which you know obviously had Redemption Island. But a lot of these advantages that are in the current show, you've never you've never played them before, and they are you know more or less new newer to the audience. So you know we've got the Beware advantage, we have the Shot in the Dark, we have Dilemma Island, as we're calling it. Um, as well as the fact that we have this new way in which people obtain immunity idols, which has them very public, right? You no longer can go out and find an immunity idol. There's a way in which, like, for instance, on this season, Jesse knows about Carla's idol, not because Carla told him, but because of the beads. He They had the bead thing at his tribe, and he observes the fact that she's got the beads, and so he knows this information by no choice of hers. So, you know... What what do you make of uh, this current era that is full of uh, a cornucopia of advantages? Um, I you know, it's like a kind of more just luck of the draw, I think, and like paying attention, and also like not paying attention because <laughs> we saw what's his name, the like Matthew McConaughey guy on this season, Cody. Cody leaning up against the You're tree. Go- wait, wait, wait. You're going to equate Cody what? to Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> he's like, he's like, all right, all right, all right. Okay, fair enough. But that <laughs> is a, a big like compliment that? to Cody. Yeah, she's not wrong. Okay, okay. He's like that. He's like, oh, I'm going to jump off this cliff. All right. They keep getting younger. Fair. I guess it's just like. Okay, I just I, I really like Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> so it's just an unusual comparison. Oh, but okay, but I see it. Cody? I see it. I hear it. Okay, well maybe I you're gonna think like about Cody, Cody more now. I don't you. dislike him. Yeah, maybe I'll look at him differently. Now that all you right, see all right, Matthew right. McConaughey in him, all right. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, I cut I'm you off. What were you saying? <laughs> oh, okay. So I um, one thing I think is like there's not there's less ways to back someone into a corner now. Because there are so many advantages. And then if somebody is like, I'm going to get voted out, I'll play my shot in the dark and give up my vote. As a backup, it's like, maybe I'll be safe. We haven't seen that work for anybody. But just even having that sort of potential safety net is like, like gamblers love to just, all right, I got $5 in my pocket. I really need gas to get home. It's going to cost me 50 bucks. Let me just go ahead and play roulette and see if I can hit. If you have that mindset that you're a risk taker, which I think the majority of people that are cast on Survivor do have that kind of mindset. So I think the majority of people are going to always take that, um, that shot in the dark rather than work on work on some more complex dynamic strategy that involves human interaction and pulling psychological levers. They're going to be like, well, yeah. the easiest because I'm tired and I don't have much time is to just play my shot in the dark or to just lean, rely on this um, bracelet or rely on this uh, immunity idol or whatever they have. So they're, la- they're leaning into the gimmicks. Right, right. 
Yeah, and I just I, I wish there was more opportunity. You know what when you mentioned the fact that like people back being backed into a corner, um, if you are that said person being backed into a corner right now, yes, there's the shot in the dark, but there used to be a time when you could go out and hunt for an idol. And now I think it seems that unless you got those idols during when they were split in three tribes, there's no longer the opportunity to try and save yourself in any other way outside of the shot in the dark, which we have yet to see effectively played. Um, I want to turn the conversation over to tribal council. A big topic of conversation this season is the length and the substance of tribal council. Having played in both old school and new school eras, what was your experience like of tribal council? Because it's our understanding that we're seeing a smattering of what actually takes place. I think we're, we understand that they actually are like hours long tribal council yeah Yeah. it's like hours yeah at least an hour maybe two maybe three they're really exhausting what we're seeing in the season now and i don't know if you've picked up on this but we're finding these like really long tribal councils like 10 12 13 minutes of the episode is spent at tribal council and yet like nothing is said where i think back to say micronesia heroes versus villains cook islands days where I found Jeff a lot more probing in his line of questioning and like almost stirring the pot amongst the players, like get interpersonal conflict to arise at tribal. Whereas I'm noticing these days, it's more so like, let's make a broad generalized statement about what Survivor is like. Um, And so there's not a lot coming out at tribal and there's not a lot of conflict coming out at tribal. So I'm curious, like from your perspective, did you notice a shift in tribal from the old school to the new school? Um, Or was it the same and it's just what they're showing us is different? I think that there has been a shift. It's become more of a political arena where people can address like broader political issues um, of like being a woman or being someone who's in the minority or a marginalized person or what it's like to have had the um, traumatic or challenging upbringing that some of these individuals have had and how they've overcome these challenges. Like it's become more of like a motivational platform, I think, for people uh, as an audience watching it then it is um, a place where we don't know what's going to happen and someone might like uh, say something that tips off another person and then they get up and whisper at each other. Like there's not whispering happening anymore. Yeah. That maybe um, Jeff shut that down because that was like a big thing for maybe like four or five seasons straight. Even season 40, there was a ton of whispering. Everyone would get up and there would be live, he would call them live tribals. Go ahead, Evan. As a player, do you prefer to have a live tribal or no? I That was my first time having a live tribal was season 40. Um, I think it's pretty it's pretty cool to be able to have a live tribal, like be whispering. I was like, I don't even know how you do this. It was like wild. But um, all the new school players, like that's how they did their tribals. So I was like, oh, okay, so this is how this this is how we do it. We stand up and whisper and make these you know, key decisions in the moment, which is interesting because it makes the game really nonstop. Like really, uh, season 40 was on for the whole 24-hour period of a day. And then you get to tribal council and maybe you've been working all day long to make some kind of plan and 
you think like in my previous seasons, 13, 16, and 20, you make the plan, you lock it down, and then you're on lockdown. Like you're, you can't talk, contestants can't speak until tribal council, and then you go with the plan, hopefully, that you'd already set up before, like two hours before. And that was the way that I was most accustomed to playing the game. And then so season 40 comes along and it's like, okay, yeah, we make these plans and we strategize on the beach and then, and then it's lockdown. And while it's lockdown, we're in the car, we're in the boat, we're heading to tribal council, whatever it is, we're waiting in the, the like tent. It's just like a covered shelter on the sand waiting for um, tribal and while we're waiting for tribal, people are like thinking in their heads, oh God, like I need to do this. Maybe I change that. And people are still playing even beyond the plan into walking into tribal council. So it's possible multiple people had already changed their minds, changed their strategy, or thinking that they're going to get up and start creating whatever chaos they're going to start creating at tribal council. And there's no way of knowing what that is as a contestant until you get in there. And then Jeff doesn't even have to talk. People are just, the energy is so ready to explode that sometimes we would sit down and someone would immediately pop up and start whispering in someone's ear. And then Jeff would be like, hey, wait a minute, let's get set up. And then the tribal council would occur. But it felt like the intensity and the pressure inside of that was really combustible and there was there was no way of knowing it was super unpredictable and kind of horrifying as a contestant to play inside of that yeah it was an ass so kind of felt on different. the inside yeah i imagine like that having there. especially in your you're in the unique experience of having played three times without that then coming in and on top of the chaos that you're speaking to you were such an immediate threat slash target to so many people in season 40. So you had to also, while also adjusting to this new gameplay, you're a smart human being. You know the fact that many of those conversations are likely about you. Um, I have to imagine that like took a toll on you, like both in the game, but also like even when you get back from tribal as well. Yeah, and I was so tired on season 40. Like I really underestimated the deep fatigue of having a newborn and what that would do to me psychologically, emotionally on my body. Like I just, I cried for the whole first week because I was like, well, my baby, like that was the first time I was away from her. So my mind was so not really in this mode of like, it wasn't moving very fast and the game was moving so fast. And I just felt like I was like, you know, when you're, I don't know if you guys were on swim team in high school. Do you ever do a swim team? No. Okay, when no. you're not, I was on swim team in high school. <laughs> and I would swim, you're swimming in a lane with like a bunch of people. And the when you're, when people want to pass you, they touch your feet. So it's like, you're, we're like, crawl, stroke, crawl. And I'm going as fast as I can. I'm gasping and dying. And I just keep feeling my feet getting touched, touched, touched. And I'm like, oh, God, just let me drown. And then they just go around and they're like, keep going. And they're so fast. That was how I felt in season 40. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I want to ask about this strategy that we saw Sammy playing this season, which ultimately got him voted out. He was really playing from the middle. Like he never really chose the alliance that he was loyal to. I think both of his alliances 
if there was only two, um, there may have been more. But I think both of his alliances felt he was with them, but it was also quite clear that he had these distinct group of people. And I'm contrasting that in my mind to the way that you play, where you have always been kind of at the core of a pretty solid alliance. Um, and I'm wondering what your experience was playing with these people who kind of play the middle. These And it works for some people. It doesn't work for others. It didn't work for Sammy, who kind of floated in the middle or flipped between alliances. How was your experience navigating those kinds of players in the game? There's something about Survivor that, like, I think one of the basic human needs is to belong. And there's this sense of... I, I need that to feel safe. I need to know where I belong so I feel safe. And for me, that was a really essential part of my gameplay was I needed to find where I belonged and I needed to have other people know they belonged to me. So there was a sense of like loyalty because loyalty is something that you can use as leverage in the game of Survivor. You know that. It's like a psychological lever. And if you can gather people who are like they value loyalty, then you can have a pretty solid alliance. I mean, amidst other reasons for being connected with these people, but loyalty is like a big factor. And if someone is flip-flopping or not, not like grounded in a relationship or in an alliance, there's this sense of like there's a surface level connection there that you can't really, like for me, I would look at Sammy and I'd be like, I don't know what to use as leverage with this guy. Like, I don't know how to work with him. I don't know. I don't know how he would feel inclined to, to even choose me over someone else. So I wouldn't want to work with someone like that. That would just wouldn't work with me because I need like a deeper, stronger bond to have that kind of like core safety in this game where you're, there's not there's no safety. So you really have to make it yourself. And so I just never really understood. It sort of reminds me of like tumbleweeds in the desert. They're just like going to go where the wind blows. And uh, they could end up in the landfill or they could end up in an oasis. Like they don't have any control over that because they're not directing their their ship. And I don't really, I don't want to yeah. play with something like that. Mm. Okay, Parvati, we have a question from one of our patrons. April wants to know what you make of the disproportionate targeting and voting out of women this season. And what is your take on Cassidy being the only player to say or attempt to do anything about it? I am very disappointed that the women went home early because this is my first time joining a Survivor Fantasy League. And... I'm with Ethan and my friend Suzanne from Win Beyond the Game. And Adam Grant is in our league. Like, these are big survivor people, like fans. And I felt like I needed to really show up. And I chose a whole roster of women. And I'm very upset. Well, at least, thankfully, I have Carla and I have um, Cassidy. So I'm not totally out of the game yet. But I'm super disappointed because... I know, I know, people are scared of women. They just really are, especially in Survivor. It's like this, the Eric, the immunity necklace thing will just like follow the women forever, I think, in this game. And if any woman shows her shows signs of being strategic, being able to connect and make bonds, and being 
uh, athletic in any way. Like um, we just saw, is her name Julia with the prosthetic leg? Noelle. Noelle. Noelle get voted out because she is like too good. And I'm like, come on, come on. Is this just going to be forever now a bunch of like mediocre guys winning the game, running the game? Like, no, stop being so scared. Play with some of these women because, yeah, we do, women do have a different skill set and they have different assets, especially when playing Survivor. It's, I said this in the last, the last time that I talked to you guys. It's such a masculine game. And I say that because it has all the key attributes of masculinity. You have to, it's competitive. It's, you have to be able to drive yourself forward. You have to rely on your own strength. It's like when a woman can be a woman, and have femininity and also be able to play masculine forward it's like this unbelievable magic to watch that unfold and i think mm. us as viewers are getting robbed of watching that magic unfold when the women get voted out early i'm displeased we are aligned with you, and I think there is a parallel here to the White Lotus um, in what you're talking about, because I think one of the central themes within the storyline involving Albie and Bert and, oh God, what's Michael Imperioli's name? Dominic. Dominic. I think the idea of that plot at its core is basically this idea that someone like Bert views women as either the wife who, who takes care of me or he goes to prostitutes to have sex and doesn't allow the autonomy of women to be both of those things. There's this antiquated view of womanhood that it's one or the other, whereas men get to be everything. But a woman has to fall into a category, right? It's either the doting wife at home or the woman I go and sleep with on the side. And I think it's... um. It's disappointing that we're not given more of an opportunity to see the depth of women and, and the nuance of women by no fault of the women entirely, although it is disappointing to see how often the women on these past several seasons, or particularly this season, um, target one another. I mean, it's it's disappointing to even see right now. We have two women left in the game, and they're going after one another. Because of Sammy. But first of all, I want to go back to what you just said about the the prostitute and the wife. Isn't that in a Taylor Swift lyric from her new album? You either see me as one night or a wife. Mm -hmm. Right? I know. We're coming full circle here. It's all coming. So I, it's all coming full circle. Like we would, Taylor Swift is now playing Survivor in my mind. Mm. <laughs> I'd like to see it. Are you a Taylor Swift fan? I am. I mean, now I'm listening to her new album and I'm like, oh my God, I really like you. That it's all I can listen to. I can't good. stop playing it. I feel that. It's yeah. kind of sad though. Like you have to be in a mood to like yeah. really go there. You're sad, sad space. <laughs> what does that say about me if I'm playing it all the <laughs> <Sean>. time? Sad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I really do agree. I think also that... Um, Women are scared to now stand up for each other on Survivor uh, because they are afraid to be targeted for standing up for each other. Like in Micronesia, I was like, and in Heroes Villains, I was like, I'm not voting Danielle out. I'm not voting out Natalie. I'm not voting out these women. I just, I just wouldn't. So people could come to me and ask me to do that. And I'd be like, yeah, that's not happening. And I would tell them. 
I wouldn't do that. And like Carla has the opportunity when Sammy comes to her and says, oh, uh, Cassidy is throwing your name out there. If Carla really was like, if she was felt safe in her bond with Cassidy, then she could have just gone straight to her and been like, dude, Sammy said this. And that's what I would have done in her position. Like, would I trust Sammy? Who's like yes. lied and trying to redeem himself and like saying anything he can or Cassidy, my girl who's been with me. Right. Also not for nothing. Carla was present during the conversation where Cassidy brought up to James, how frustrated she was at the fact that women were being targeted. Like that, that very conversation Carla was present for. So if anything, to your point, when Carla would go to Cassidy for the, the hypothetical conversation you just mentioned, it's like she would do that with the assurance that she knows someone like Cassidy cares about the number of women in the game and, and has the same observation that she does, which is that, hey, look around. They're picking us off one by one. Wouldn't it be behoove of us to be loyal to one another? Unless Carla is, or Cassidy is, at, well, Carla, I'll say, is at this place where she is like, I don't want to go. I want to be the only woman in the end. So I get all the votes of all the women because if I go with Cassidy, it might be split. Which is interesting. I mean, hey, if that works out for you, that's not, could potentially not be a bad strategy. I just think it is sad, though, to think that way because, I mean, it's so fun to watch different personal. They're totally different. Carla and Cassidy are completely different. They can present their case totally differently. And I think it's really sad when that wedge comes in because it doesn't, I don't see that wedge come in with men. I don't see men on Survivor saying, I want to be the only man at the end. So I get the men's vote for being such right. a rad dude. Like, it doesn't happen. But women think that way. And I think people in the minority group think that way in Survivor. Once they get to the end, they're like, okay, how can I really distinguish myself as unique and special so people mm. vote for me? Hmm. Something else I want to get your thoughts on is the size of tribes, because obviously in this new era, we have had uh, starting out tribes of uh, six. And uh, I know that they're really enjoying this. Jeff has talked a lot about how he likes the small tribes. And that's why they haven't been doing sort of like tribe swaps or, or like pre-merge tribe absorptions uh, to make these bigger tribes because he feels that uh, this is fun, that there's nowhere to hide really in a tribe. And you have played on a tribe as small as five in the starting in Cook Islands. Um, and, and you've also played in starting tribes of 10. What do you think is like the biggest difference in terms of playing starting on a small tribe? Because I have to feel like I think part of the reason we saw so many women leave early on was that the size of the tribe and that it was really easy for the group to point to a smaller woman and say she's not carrying her weight in challenges or around camp. That's how I'm reading it, but I'm curious what your experience has been. Yeah, I think that's accurate, um, that that would be a reason to get rid of someone early on, unless someone is like a standout, super annoying person who's really hard to handle <laughs> camp. <laughs> like that would be the first person to go, usually on a small, small tribe. Uh, but yeah, like people want to win challenges in the beginning to make sure you're safe, especially with like the pace of the game being so quick. I loved 
tribes of 10. I love starting with bigger tribes. Um, it just gives, there's more ability to kind of work around the, the chessboard and to have different conversations with different people. And when I started with five in Cook Islands, it made me, I was also really young at the time. I was 23 and I had no experience. So that might've also <laughs> contributed to this, but it was such a small tribe of us that I felt really like loyal and like a family with Candace and Adam and Jonathan. So then when we had the, the switch up and there was an opportunity to either vote out Jonathan or vote out someone else who I hadn't been with from the very start, there was this like overriding sense of, oh, I need to keep him since I started the game with him. And he was sort of like my dad in the beginning when I was like lost and confused and scared. And when you when you have a small tribe like that, it can feel like a nuclear family and it can kind of activate that like whatever your childhood dynamic was in your household can kind of activate that programming. When you have a larger group and that of course is going to like be subconsciously guiding you, right? Like when you, when that programming is activated, it's going to be subconsciously, you'll, you'll bond with certain people based on that like subconscious dynamic that's running you. Versus if you have a group of 10, you're not going to get so pulled in so quickly to like settling and congealing with these three or four or five people. You have different kind of ways to mix and match. And I think it just makes things more fun to play like that. Mm. Mm. Plus then the the women can stick around a little bit. Women can get together and... We can vote out some of these big dudes. Hello. Agreed. Hello. Okay, so as we have <laughs> mentioned to you, uh, Sean and I have preemptively cast you on the Survivor Legends season that we have completely made up but has become Drop Your Buffs lore. Um, I'm wondering if you feel like there are any players from the newest era of the show, which we denote as 41, 42, 43, that you think would be contenders to join you on the legend season, which mind you, you have not agreed to be on, but we have cast you on nonetheless, which not a great look for us, but we're doing it. <laughs> I have not, not consented. There's been no consent. Yeah. You have not consented. Yeah. <laughs> no enthusiastic. Consent. I have to say, wait, before you answer this property, I have to say, because it was so funny that we talked about, will you play again? And you say no. And then Evan mentions, well, after Heroes versus Villains, you said you would never play again. I was watching and doing some research. I was watching an interview with you after Survivor Micronesia, after you won. It was like a morning show interview. And this was probably the morning after. And they said, will you ever play again? And you said, no, never. You came back like three seasons later. So look. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. All I'm saying is it's Ow. not out of the realm. I'm seeing a pattern. Wow, Sean, you really like dug into feel... the archives for that one. <laughs> I why? do feel you'll be back for the legend season. Oh, my God. I have to say no, guys. I'll be the pool girl, on the cabana girl on White Lotus, but don't make me okay. play Survivor again. I okay, but cast... in the hypothetical legend season, in the hypothetical, who hypothetical. is there anyone that you think? Yeah, in hypothetical. Um but maybe not. Um, but anyway, is there anyone in the 41, 42, 43 that you think is a contender for legend status? 
I just instantly forget people after I watch a season of Survivor. But if they're a legend, I don't think you do. That's the thing. Well, okay, I love Shan. I loved her when she played her season. So I would include her. Um, I would, well, right now, Carla. These are my top two, like, most memorable people that I'm thinking of. And there's got to be some other people. Oh, um, who's not Julia? (laughs) Noelle. Noelle. (laughs) We can bring Noelle. Her lower third can read, not Julia. (laughs) Not Julia. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Parentheses. Noelle. Yeah. Um, Is Ozzy, can we include Ozzy? I don't, I know he's not like a recent player, but he should probably come back too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, wait. I mean, yeah. while we have you, let's let's expand out the question real quick. Um, so when you think of the legend season, I mean, so so far, just so you know, like obviously we've cast Jerry Manthe, um, we've cast Todd Herzog, uh, we've cast Sue from uh, Borneo, uh, Sue Kathy, Hoff, yeah, yeah oh, Kathy from Marquesas. Oh yes, oh, thank you. You have to bring back Abby, Abby Maria. Maria. Yeah, she's good. Okay, who, and who else is, is top of mind for you for the legend season? Courtney. You have to bring Courtney back. She yeah. is this a- literally, if not, yeah, if not being on the show, she's the host, like, or both. Yeah, she's. Okay, yeah, yeah she's great. Um, who else would we bring back? Are we going to bring back? We, Erica okay, Kipok? so you're is taking a producer credit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I like it. I like it. We, we, we. I'm all for we. Sorry. Okay, Eric. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Let's br- let's bring it back. I, I think I think he I think he's er like there just being a part of that situation. I think that is legendary. Status. I mean, has he played again, or did he only play that one? Yeah, time? yeah, he did. Oh, no, he, he did played, already. He played, fans, he played in the next fans versus. Yeah. Favorites. So my feeling is with like Eric C. You more want someone something like a second chances for him. Unfortunately, he came back for he came back for the wrong season because it's like Eric is mm. a perfect contender for a second chances. Um, but Sean and I have That's also right. had the idea of a third, either a second chances two, which he would not qualify for, obviously, or a third chances. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know who the, I want to see the other. problem for the, the the problem for Eric is he played during Jeff's Valentina era. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. Okay, yeah, wait, who do you want to bring and back? And bless his little heart. Um, Bryce. Bryce, purple pants, Bryce. Okay. Yeah. And maybe Philip Shepard also. Wow, okay. I mean. Yeah, that's a choice. <laughs> Going yeah. for, the, for the contentious pick. Um, okay, is there anyone about Christian? From, um, <laughs> yeah, I would accept Oh, Christian. yeah, I'd be here for that. Christian? Is there anyone from like the... Yeah, the sure. Ethan era, like really going back that you would love to see again, that we ha- maybe someone we haven't heard from in years. Oh, God, you guys, you're at, like, why are you asking me? I, I need to see are. like a map of players. I know. Well, if you're going to ask did me, you, hey, pa- did, did you like, did you watch those early seasons before you played in Cook Islands? Give me an encyclopedia. I watched, um, the only one I watched was. The season where Stephanie LaGrosa was on her own. Because hmm. Lynn, mm-hmm. the casting director, Lynn Spillman, told me, you need to watch this season with Stephanie. That's what's going to, that will inspire you. Interesting. Because I had no idea what I was doing. I just said yes. And then, you know, got got into the current. Because the current. is it true that you applied for Amazing Race originally, right? Yeah. Amazing Race. 
And I thought that were you was kind of be... bummed that that you didn't get to play the Amazing Race? I'm I'm kind of confused about it because a lot of people have played the Amazing Race, and I'm like, I, I would be available to play that, or I would have been. Now I don't know. I don't know if it's still, it's still the same game. Is it still fun? Uh, people seem to like it. Okay, You've never seen maybe it. I, I don't watch it. Do but... it. You've never seen it. I mean, it's no surprise. I, I watched the very early seasons, but I haven't. I haven't kept up with it. Yeah, like Ethan played it, Rob played it, like so many people play. Tons. Of people. Eliza played it. Eliza. I mean, Corinne Kaplan. There's like a bunch of people, and I'm like, what? What about me? I actually tried out for it. I don't think they did. Listen, if yeah, <laughs> if Corinne is playing it, there's room for parvity. I'll just say that. <laughs> right. And there was like some other guys that played it that like nobody even knows their names. <laughs> listen, I think that yeah. I mean, listen. If if casting is listening, I'm you know, you know, yeah. Drop I mean, Corinne Kaplan. Bring in Parvati Shallow. Right? Uh-huh. Could you imagine me and Eliza You're playing together that. on the same team? You're worse saying that. <laughs> that would be. Great. I can think of a million. I mean, hello. Wait. Let's. Sorry. Just to bring this all back. Let's do the Finding Amanda Kimmel podcast. Let's get the mm-hmm. two of you for the cameo on the White Lotus. And because it's just a cameo, your schedule's freed up. We can then literally airlift you from wherever season three of the White Lotus is taking place. And we will begin your amazing race journey right then and there. That is such a solid publicity moment for season three of the White Lotus. I'm, I'm hooked. <laughs> I'm on the seat of my pants. Great. If only they weren't rival networks, um, but, you know, if only. I'm optimistic. If only. Who's rival networks? HBO and CBS. No, they're in different realms. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to happily like... pass, like, talent over, but, but you know. True. <laughs> okay, okay. I think we can make it happen. I have another question from a patron about Winners at War. And this is something I don't know anything about. So like, yay or nay this question. Hannah is curious about the dynamics on the edge of extinction. And I understand from this question that Yule has talked about some like feeling sort of targeted or bullied. And I know bullied is a big word, um, but feeling like there were some maybe negative uh, dynamics going on on the edge. I'm curious what your experience was or what you know about uh, this happening or Yule's experience, um, because it's it's sort of a weird place to be where you're in this pressure cooker environment. You're still in a game, but outside of the game. Uh, with nothing but time and time to get on each other's nerves. Oh, you all said that I was bullying him? Is this what you're no, saying? No, not you. Oh, oh he my said God, that he was getting you. bullied? Carvity. He like, said he felt I like, I guess, he felt like a little targeted by certain people, not you. Okay, because this is like a weird, but this is weird because you I had no problem with you Like we played Cook Islands. He won. I voted for Ozzy. I did promise him that I would vote for him in the end if he would keep me over Jonathan and vote Jonathan out. Of course, it was a lie. I was going to vote for him. Like, I was going to make my mind up based on who's the best player. And I liked Ozzy at the time, thought he played a better game just based on my own value system of Survivor. So anyway, you will won that season. I lost that season. Okay, cut to, that was 2006. We played 2019, we played season 40. I get on the beach with you all. I am like the odd man out. I uh, It's Michelle, Wendell, Nick together 
you all and me. And I'm like, oh, you all. Oh my God. Like, I like, I'm, I'm, I have a bond with Michelle, but I know she's deep in with these two guys. Like maybe like he comes to me and he's like, let's do this. Like, I, I really want to play with you. My wife loves you. My kids love you. Like he's laying it on so thick. They do not show this in the show, but you all bamboozled me so bad. I was like, oh, thank God. Cause I needed someone to save me. I was totally gone, a goner. And you always acting like he was going to save me. And then we get to the tribal council and he votes me out. And I was like, that was, that was Yule that did that. That was Yule that voted me out. It wasn't Michelle. It wasn't Wendell. It, wasn't, it was Yule who like sold me so hard that he was on my side. So then we get to, he was like the next person voted out too. It was like me. And then Yule comes yeah. right after me. I'm so pissed at Yule. And then Yule shows up and he's like, yeah, sorry about that. They got me too. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like, here we are. We're, I'll just let it go now. And I didn't think anything more of it. I was just like, he played He played me. And then it comes out like maybe a few days, like a week later, time is such a blur on the edge. But then it comes out that Yule has been holding a grudge against me since Cook Islands for lying to him and not voting for him. And I was like, wait a minute. And this is coming out. Everyone's sitting like on the jankety shelter. That's like, you know, the jankety spot that we all sit at on edge of extinction, being sad and like demoralized. And uh, I don't know if like Wendell was like, you are you going to tell her? And I was like, tell me what? And then it all comes out that you all like hated me since or like had this vendetta to get me back from Cook Islands. And I was like. Which he won. Is this for real? And he was like, you know, I was very upset. And I was like, oh, I can't. It doesn't even enter my mind that that is a possibility that someone can be mad about that. So that was why. It's also strange because it would be one thing if yours was the vote that caused him to lose, but your vote was irrelevant. He won the game. It didn't even matter. So that's very strange. Now, do you think what he was saying to you about the wife and kids, do you think that was true? Or do you think he was literally making that up in order to, you know, ingratiate himself with you? I have no idea. I have no idea. And have you spoken since? since? Yeah. I mean, we talked after that, like that came out and I was like, truly shocked. Truly. And I sat, I sat with him. We had like a solid two hour conversation on the beach alone. And I was like, what is the deal? You all like, you won the game. You want, you just wanted my vote too. Like, is that you're mad about that? So we kind of moved through it. We cleared the air and then, um, his wife and girls, I think he has two girls and they came to the family visit where Mm -hmm. the family came and I said hi and introduced myself and they were like really sweet and kind and uh, happy to see me. So I really don't know. We haven't spoken since the game. But it sounds like, okay, things are cleared up. I have a question about another relationship between you and someone at Winners at War. Um, I've always been really curious about your relationship with Sandra. I mean, obviously we see how things played out on Winners at War, but I just never know if you two, like where the line is of like you guys making television, because I think you're both really great as characters on television outside of like, and great competitors and great human. Well, I can't know her as a human being, but I know you're a great human being, but I'm just wondering like, what was that like in 40? We don't really get to see a lot of you and Sandra together on season 40. And that was the dynamic I was the most curious about. I'm the most curious about it too, to be honest. <laughs> I'm really curious about it. 
because I really don't know. <laughs> like, it's like, I really don't. I'm like, I'm one of those people who I assume everything's cool. I just assume everything's fine. And then I, I don't realize how much people hate me until, like, it comes out at Edge of Extinction. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know you hated me for 12 years or whatever. So I really don't know if Sandra, like, hates me and or if it's a, or if it's a performance because she is really good at putting on a show I really don't know I have nothing against Sandra at all on my end but I think I can be kind of oblivious to other people's grudge holding so I don't really know I have no yeah, why don't you ask her find out well, we would love, we would love well, to. Well, Sandra agreed to be on Drop Your Buffs without being asked to be on the podcast. She recorded a cameo <laughs> for us, one that we did not ask for, in which she stated she would gladly come on the show, which was which was lovely. It was a surprise. The problem is we have no way to get in touch with her. Yeah, literally cameo as a gift. So cameo reached out to me as like an incentive to get me on cameo. And we're like, oh, as an incentive to you, we know you're a big Survivor fan, so we got you a cameo with Sandra. And in that cameo, Sandra was like, I'd love to come. I'd be happy to, happy to rather, not love to. She'd be happy to come on the podcast. I'm not in touch with her, so it's just so funny. Um, but yeah, life is, life is. Flat. Okay, well, if Circle, you need to flat. get in touch with Sandra, I can help you. Is that what you're asking? You. I you, think. Okay. No, I'm not asking that. I mean, like, I'd be grateful for that. I feel like if we're going to pull the have poverty, get us in contact with someone, it would not be Sandra. I would I would use that coin more wisely. Well, if or, you wanna... or we get we get poverty to get Sandra and then we bring them on and we have well, I was just thinking session that. where we figure yes. out what the hell is going on between them. Yeah, because I don't know. So we need that to be a mediated conversation. <laughs> okay, yeah. but wait, but while we're on the topic, like, so the the survivor I'm most curious to get in touch with life two outside of Amanda Kimmel that maybe you have access to us while we're on the subject would be Natalie, the winner of Survivor Samoa. Oh, okay. Wow. Do you have any any connection there? I don't know her at all, but I could probably find okay, she, out. Because she has disappeared. Oh, she has? So I'm very interested. Yeah, yeah, she's she's I a, think she th- wants nothing to do with Survivor, but like But we I'd don't have that confirmed. So the sequel series to Finding Amanda Kimmel is finding what is it, Natalie Sean? Help me White. out. Natalie White. Natalie finding White. Natalie White. Okay, so that's that's the other one. And then my king, Judd, the winner of Survivor season twenty one, is off the grid as well. Do you have any access to Judd? I don't know Judd either, but I you know what I bet Ethan would Fabio. Know Judd. Fabio is Oh, his name's Fabio. Okay. Oh, Fabio. Like he goes by, his name is Judd, but also His Fabio. real name is Judd, yeah, yeah. He goes by Fabio. Does that change oh, things? Oh, yep. I remember him. I thought he was an LA guy. I don't know. I'll put some feelers out and see what I can come up with for you guys. There are some recent photos of him that have surfaced, and he is looking very good. Hot. But also, we're in touch with Ethan Hot. for Drop Your Buffs, so I might, I might pull this with Ethan when we finally get Ethan on this podcast. Ethan is a, he's a connector. Ethan is a networker and a connector and he does these charity events where he invites all the survivors. So he might be a good person to ask these okay. questions. Okay. Okay. But those Wait, two one are more pretty per- obscure more people you're asking about. Yeah, let's hear who else. Yeah, they're very obscure. I have a question about some, <laughs> since you're the spokesperson for <laughs> all survivor players who don't go on podcasts, uh, your <laughs> dear friend, Natalie Bolton, does she, like, like, what, how, what's your read on, like, her interest in Survivor or talking about her time on Survivor? Like, do you oh. think she would ever do it? Yeah, she would do it. 
She would talk to you. Like, I would die to talk to her. Oh, my God. I can set that up. No problem. That's my holiday Great. gift wow. to you. Wow. Parvati. Yeah. How generous. How generous. She is so great, too. She's, like, really brilliant. Oh, we would we would love to learn more about that. Um, the last question on the doc I have, I don't – I'm. I think that we sort of covered this already with some of our earlier questions, Sean, unless you disagree, but I have a different question. Sean, do you, should I? Go. Okay. Go um, for it. I want to ask about, you know, we touched a little bit during your last interview, hearing a little bit about your life outside of the show. And I just would love to hear, I mean, I we get to follow along, thankfully, on Instagram. I'd love to know how your daughter's doing. I'd love to know how you're doing. I'd love to just hear like what you've been up to, where you're finding joy right now, and how you're wrapping up your 2022. Oh, wow. It has been a real ride emotional highs and lows this year of every kind and like some wild synchronicities and magic occurring. I've pulled back a lot. So in the beginning of the year, I was leading a lot of coaching groups, working with private clients and leading people through these transformational journeys um, collectively and individually. And that was like the first half of my year. And then this for the past four months, I've been working on a book proposal and that's been really, um, wow, like a deep dive into my past. I mean, I grew up in a cult. I was born into a cult and I'm learning all about what that meant for me and my development and the choices that I've made in my life um, that have some of them have been influenced from my upbringing that I didn't even realize. So that kind of stuff is really blowing my mind, making those connections. And then really prioritizing my own healing because my past few years from having a baby to going through this divorce have been so intense and challenging emotionally and physically in every way. I'm focusing on recovering um, the health and well-being of my body and my mental health and my emotional health. And that's a journey too. It's taken me into these really um, interesting spaces and places. I just got back from a five-day breathwork training um, at the Groff Institute in New Mexico, and it's holotropic breathwork meant to induce altered states of consciousness. So it's this like psychedelic breathwork, and it's super healing. And it, I've had these really powerful um, somatic life-changing experiences just from breathing, which is kind of blows my mind because I know a lot of a lot of people who do plant medicine and they'll do the ceremonies and then they talk about the experiences that they have through those processes. But this was just breathing like my own body. And I was like having these visions and these intense flashes of heat. And I relived like the, um, I had a quad bike accident in Namibia when I was hosting around the world for free in 2012. And I like relived the surgery in the breath work. So it's like this kind of magical healing realms are really amazing. They're am ast astonishing me right now. And I'm, I'm definitely deep in, into that world and coming out, thinking about how I'm going to integrate my own personal experiences of moving from survival into healing. How can I start to offer people that I work with, like my clients and um, coaching clients and students, how can I offer them a map so that they can also notice the signs of being in survival mode, notice the effects 
of what that creates in their lives when they're in that place and how that feels in their body. And then from there, move beyond that so they can feel really safe in their body, have pleasure, have love in their lives, create more money and deeper relationships and have this connection to life that feels really good and nourishing that, you know, you feel supported by all of life. So there is a playbook that I'm creating for that specific journey that I have lived through and I'm continuing to live through and I'm now creating a process so that other people can move through it as well. So where will people be able (laughs) to potentially find that playbook? And is that something that people would be able to have access to? Is it something that people would subscribe? Like, tell me how people would be able to find that. People need to go, people who are interested and curious need to go to my website, parvityshallow.com. I'm working on a new website. So right now, just pop your email and your name into the email contact form, and then I'll have you in my list. And as I start to create offerings, as I start to create newsletters, as I start to create courses, um, you will receive those, or you'll be at least in the newsletters so that you can sign up for the things that you gravitate towards. And you can always find me on Instagram because I'm posting stuff. That is incredible. I have to say I had the privilege to be able to read the proposal for your book. And in addition to an incredible story that you had to tell, you are also, unsurprisingly, a terrific writer. And so I think people are going to be really in for a treat when this book comes out. Obviously, when the pre-orders begin, we will be blasting them on on Drop Your Buffs. Any fan of Drop Your Buffs is a fan of Parvati Shallows, so I want to encourage everyone to go to her website. I I was going to say follow her on Instagram, but you already are if you're listening to this podcast, um, as anyone with an intelligent mind is. Um, And Sean, I think you wanted to add something as well before we wrap up. Oh, yeah. So Drop Your Buffs has recently... Uh, uh, expand it out into the world of merch and Parvati we're really excited because we are I'm just like any minute now going to receive the samples of Black Widow Brigade like club t-shirts which Parvati will get your information we will send you a couple of t-shirts so that you can rep the Black Widow Brigade so those are going to be available for pre-order on dropyourbuffspod.com by the time this episode drops so everyone go check that out yes and I'll sign a few, and then you can have a fan giveaway. We can have a collab <gasps> fan giveaway. Would love that. Let's do it. Send me a few. Wow. I'll sign them in a, wow. so in a red it. Sharpie or blood. Which would you prefer? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we might have issues with the mail. Like, there's rules I Okay, think. silver Sharpie. Yes. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Parvati, I want to thank you so much for coming back and giving so much of your time again to talk survivor and the white lotus we'd be we would love to hear your thoughts after the finale of white lotus if you want to send us like a little voice memo because we're going to be recapping the finale as well so we have plenty of white lotus content on the way so please keep in touch on that front and just want to mention, Parvati, we really hope you will call in. We have a roster of, I can now confirm, I'm happy to confirm, we have some A-list talent that will be calling in. And I'm not being facetious here. A-listers that will be calling in for our very special, which we still not have yet have not yet announced, we have a very special guest for our 
postseason coverage as well as some A-list call-ins for that guest. And I think everyone will be very excited when they find out about this episode. Is it Jennifer Coolidge? It is no, not like Jennifer Coolidge. No, it's a guest. It's not someone guessable. Never expect. It's like, yeah. Okay, okay. But I'm optimistic that Coolidge will potentially call in for the episode. I just, we're in the middle of, her and I are linking up for another something, so I, I haven't put, this is on the docket of my asks for her. Yeah. Got it. It's Angelina Jolie. <laughs> yes. Um, you know. Yes. If you, if you could connect us to Angelina Jolie, <laughs> yeah. that would be great. Yeah, actually, Parvati, can you connect us? (laughs) (laughs) I'll get right on that for you. With a steak. (laughs) Great. Okay, Okay, yes, I will do that. I will definitely call in. You know I love this show. Great. Great. Okay, Parvati, we won't keep you any longer. Evan, any last words? (laughs) Oh, yeah, my last words. My stream, Ciao Ciao by La Presentate de Lista on Spotify. It is the song featured in the partying scene in episode six of season two of The White Lotus. Ciao, 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 ciao. Ciao, ciao. Yeah, do that. Okay, Parvati, thank you so, so much. We will talk to you again soon, I hope. Thank you so much for that very thorough conversation. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we covered a ton of season 43, but I am very happy with the many wormholes that we went down. Okay, thank you so much, Parvati. Bye. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye.